and good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is August the 7th, 219th day of the year. 146 days remain till the end of the year. And then we'll start 2024. Well... You all asked me to announce holidays and observances. Today is National Sea Serpent Day, Purple Heart Day, National Lighthouse Day, National Raspberries and Cream Day, Professional Speakers Day. August is Happiness Happens Month, Black Business Month, National Immunization Awareness Month. Go get stuck. Back to School Month. National Traffic Awareness Month, National Civility Month, I don't see much of that, Psoriasis Awareness Month, National Hair and Loss Awareness Month, National Breastfeeding Month, and a few things from history. On this date in 461, Roman Emperor Majorians beheaded near the river Hitler in Northwest Italy following his arrest and deposition by the Magister Militum Rissima. But an emperor can be deposed uh, and um, arrested. 626 AD, the Avar and Slav armies leave the siege of Constantinople. 768, Pope Stephen III is elected to office and quickly seeks Frankish protection against the Lombard threat. Since the Byzantine Empire is no longer able to help. 936, coronation of King Otto I of Germany. 1461, the Ming Dynasty, Chinese military general Kao Qin uh, stages a coup against the Tian Shan Emperor. 1479, Battle of Guanagate, French troops of King Louis XI are defeated by the Burgundians led by Archduke Maximilian of Habsburg. 1679, the brigantine Le Griffon, commissioned by René Robert Cavalier, Sieur de La Salle, is towed to the southeastern end of the Niagara River to become the first ship to sail the upper Great Lakes of North America. 1714, the Battle of that we know of. The Battle of Gangut, the first important victory, the first important victory of the Russian Navy. 1743, the Treaty of Abo ended the 1741-1743 Russo-Swedish War. 1782, George Washington orders the creation of the badge of military merit to honor soldiers wounded in battle. It's later renamed to the Purple Heart. 1786, the first federal Indian reservations created by the U.S. on this date. 1789, the United States Department of War is established. 1791, American troops destroyed the Miami town of Kennepecomaqua, near the site of present-day Logansport, Indiana, in the Northwest uh, Indian War. 1794, President George Washington invokes the Militia Act of 1792 to suppress the, the Whiskey Rebellion in western Pennsylvania. 1819, Silent Bolivar triumphs over Spain in the Battle of Boyaca. 1858, the first Australian rules football match is played between Melbourne Grammar and Scotch College. 1859, 
1890, Anna, man's daughter, found guilty of the 1889 uh, Youngville murder, became the first one to be executed in Sweden. 1909, Alice Julia Ramsey and three friends become the first women to complete a transcontinental auto trip. Took 59 days to travel from New York, New York to San Francisco, California. 1920s, now, today, if they did that, there'd be mud since they got to San Francisco. 1927, the Peace Bridge opens between Fort Erie, Ontario, and Buffalo, New York. 1930, the last confirmed lynching of black people in the northern United States occurs in Marion, Indiana. Two men, Thomas Shipp and Abram Smith, are killed. 1933, the Kingdom of Iraq slaughters over 3,000 Assyrians in the village of Shemali. Dates recognized as Martyrs Day or National Day of Mourning by the Assyrian community in memory of the Shemali massacre. 1942, World War II, the Battle of Guadalcanal begins as the U.S. Marines initiate the first American offensive of the war with landings on Guadalcanal and Tulagi in the Solomon Islands. 1944, IBM dedicates the first program control calculator, the automated sequence control calculator. Um, it's best known as the Harvard Mark I. 1946, the government of the Soviet Union presented a note to its Turkish counterparts which refuted the latter's sovereignty over the Turkish Straits, which began the Turkish Straits Crisis. 1947, Thor Heyerdahl's balsa wood raft, Kontiki, smashes into the reef at uh, Reroya and the Tuamotu Islands after a 101-day uh, journey, and that's 4,300 uh, miles across the uh, Pacific Ocean in an attempt to prove the prehistoric peoples could have traveled from South America. Also in 47, the Bombay Municipal Corporation formally takes over the Bombay Electric Supply and Transport. 1959, Explorer Program, Explorer 6 launches from the Atlantic Missile Range in Cape Canaveral, Florida. 1960, the Ivory Coast becomes independent from France. 1962, Canadian-born American pharmacologist Francis Oldham Kelsey is awarded the U.S. President's Award for Distinguished Federal Civil Service for her refusal to authorize the thalidomide. She, she, she got awarded a high honor for not doing something. That's interesting. 1964. Yeah, no more. Congress passes the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, giving President Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, broad war powers to deal with North Vietnamese attacks on American forces. It's come out that um, the Gulf of Tom Tonkin incident didn't happen. It was a lie. 1969, Richard Nixon appoints Louis Bruce a Mohawk Ogawa Sioux and co-founder of the National Congress of American Indians as the new commissioner of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. In 1970, California Judge Harold Haley is taken hostage in his courtroom and killed during an effort to free George Jackson from police custody. 1974, Philippe Petit performs a high-wire act between the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center. That's 1,368 feet in the air. 1976, the Viking program, Viking 2, enters orbit around Mars. 1978, President Jimmy the Peanut Man Carter declares a federal emergency at Love Canal due to toxic waste that had been disposed of negligently. 
1981, the Washington Star ceases all operations after 128 years of publication. 1985, Takao Doi, Mamoru Mori and Chiaki Bukai are chosen to be Japan's first astronauts. 1987, Cold War, Lynn Cox becomes the first person to swim from the U.S. to the Soviet Union. Across the Bering Strait from Little Diomede Island in Alaska, the Big Diomede in the Soviet Union. 1989, Congressman Mickey Leland, Democrat of Texas, and 15 others die in a plane crash in Ethiopia. 1990, first American soldiers arrive in Saudi Arabia as part of the Gulf War. 1993, Ada Deer, a activist, is sworn in as the head of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. 1995, the Chilean government declares a state of emergency in the southern half of the country in response to the event of uh, intense cold, wind, rain, and snowfall known as the White Earthquake. 1997, Space Shuttle Program. Space Shuttle Discovery launches STS-85 from the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida. 1997, Fine Air Flight 101 crashes after takeoff from Miami International Airport. Kills five people. 1998, bombings at the United States embassies in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, Nairobi, Kenya killed about 212 people. 1999, the Chechnya-based Islamic International Brigade invades neighboring Dagestan. 2007, an ANTNT park. Barry Bonds hits his 756-career home run to surpass Hank Aaron's 33-year-old record. 2008 started a Russo-Georgian war over the territory of South Ossetia. And in 2020, Air India Express Flight 1344 overshoots a runway at uh, Calicut International Airport in the Malapuram district of Karelia, India, and crashes. Kills 21 of the 190 people on board. You know, it's always interesting to look at um, the various things in the news. Because you never know what you're going to find. There's always something interesting. Some of it's crazy. But then again, there's, um, at least in this area, been a number of people vanish over the last few months. And all the authorities can say is, well, they could be in danger. But if, they're disappe- if they've disappeared, why aren't you finding them? The um, and there's been a lot um, of stories about um, lost luggage, and sometimes the airline says it's lost, but in actuality, um, it's not. And for those of you who have Apple phones. Next month, you'll be able to download iOS 17 on your iPhone. And it's got a bunch of new features. Some new additions include a standby mode, a journal app, and a major update to messages. But some iPhone users are getting left out of getting the iOS 17, including some of the older iPhone models like the iPhone X from 2017. And if you're not sure which iPhone you have, you can find out by um, quick checking your settings. Open the settings app, tap general about next to the model name and see what iPhone you have. 
Now, not every iPhone is compatible with the iOS 17. You know, I could try it out. There's a public beta available. Um, but a lot of folks are saying don't install the, the beta. Wait for the actual... Uh, program which will be next month now those who have the following iPhones I'm going to mention can download the uh, iOS 17 there's um, iPhone XS iPhone XS Max iPhone XR iPhone 11 11 Pro and Pro Max iPhone 12 12 Mini, 12 Pro, 12 Pro Max, 13, 13 Mini, 13 Pro, 13 Pro Max, iPhone SE, iPhone 14, and iPhone uh, phone 14 Pro. And if it's uh, your iPhone is not one of those I mentioned, then it's not going to uh, support iOS 17. So for some of you, it might be time to trot down to your Apple store and get a new phone. Well, we have been talking about a lot of very um, odd things. And the uh, you never know what we're going to be talking about. So it's good to to tune in every day at least see what it is we're talking about the uh, surprisingly enough a lot of um, stars in various fields are dying for some reason uh, even soap opera some of those people you think have been around for eons, but they're up in their 80s and 90s and they're starting to die off. Which may be the end of the genre. Never can tell. Um, if somebody asked me about the um, indictment of President Trump, this um, Jack Smith the just the uh, prosecutor who's just turning over every rock to find a charge he can bring uh, he's starting to use the Ku Klux Klan axe and um, and for example in regard to the uh, January 6th so-called violent attack against the US Capitol which wasn't so violent when you consider that the Capitol Police opened the doors and said, come on in. Um, he charged the former president with violating four different federal laws. And uh, three of the charges are kind of easy to understand. They require a jury to determine whether Trump tried to overturn the election results, if he knowingly conspired to obstruct the certification of results. But the fourth charge you know, conspiring against the rights of the voters to cast ballots and have them fairly and honestly counted is a little bit more complicated. 
and that comes directly from the KKK acts. Um, the Ku Klux Klan acts um, were enacted in the 1870s. And they're officially known as the Enforcement Acts because they empowered the federal government to enforce the Civil Rights Amendment, the Civil War Amendments, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Now, right now, um, though not everybody agrees with me, um, Smith is in a delicate position. He rolled the dice to go after a former president. If he fails, to get a conviction. Now, getting an indictment is irrelevant. I mean, you can indict a ham sandwich in the federal grand jury. Folks there just want to go home. But if he fails to get a conviction and President Trump's reelected, he's toast. And pretty much that's been said. You may go after him today, but if you don't get him, he's coming after you tomorrow. And that's not a threat. That's just a statement of fact. You've got a sitting president who is, every whistleblower that's come forward says he is uh, taking bribes and what have you, but that's okay because he's a wonderful person. Democrats love him. The left thinks he hung the moon. And it turns out that the majority of his administration were Obama holdovers. And a lot of folks are saying, because he's mentioned several times about the earpiece, that tell where he gets information. Supposedly, on the other end of that earpiece is President Obama. And he speaks, and Biden's views may be true, may not be true. The um, Now, these... KKK laws were designed to protect black voters. But Smith is using it against everybody. And he is, I think it, as of last count, there were 78 charges that have been brought so far. And the way the feds work, if you've never had to deal with them, is they will bring charge after charge after charge after charge. And that does two things. It overwhelms the recipient. And number two, your legal bill just goes through the roof. So more often than not, those on the receiving end agree to go ahead and uh, plead guilty to one of them in return for all the rest being dropped. And that... Uh, that's not justice, no matter how you look at it. And unfortunately, we're in a period of time where justice is not what they're after. They're after a pound of flesh. And this will make Smith's career. If he wins this, if he gets Trump convicted, he'll be considered the next Perry Mason. If he loses and gets egg on his face, then... His career has hit a major stumbling block. And that, in a nutshell, is what he's facing. So it's all well and good to be the guy that brought down Trump, provided you do. If you don't, then uh, 
you got a major problem on your hands. Alrighty. We were talking also yesterday about um, there's some secret societies, which is always one of my favorite topics. And we were talking about um, how to place, um, let's see, they're called oops, out of, hmm, well, there are artifacts that are out of place, and the problem, such as the, the Baghdad battery, which has features of a modern battery, um, will confirm the interpretation of the bas relief at the um, Temple of Dendera, which actually shows a um, what appears to be an electrical discharge tube which later was developed by Wilhelm Röntgen to, to uh, create the x-ray machine. You have to ask yourself, if something is on the walls of a temple that's several thousand years old, they didn't make stuff up, they put up what they saw. Now, the Baghdad battery was made public in 1938, but as the name suggests, it was found in Persia, not in Egypt. The Ark was considered a lethal weapon, and the Israelites treated it as one. In addition to the Ark of the Covenant, Moses had to build a tent of meeting which is described in Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. And according to the instructions, uh, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. It was called the tent of meeting. Anybody inquiring of the Lord would want to go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents and watched Moses till he entered the tent that he had set up. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. Well, the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all worshipped at the entrance to their own tents. Now ask yourself this. If it came down whenever he went to that tent, that shows that there was a, a direction behind that cloud. Now, the tent was clearly built so that outside you couldn't see what was happening inside. And God gave uh, Moses precise instructions on how to build all the objects that has come down to us through the, the Bible. And he gave him those instructions on Mount Sinai. So Moses got some kind of technological preparation from his godly sources during his long stay on Mount Sinai. Now ask yourself this, since he was up there several weeks by himself, where did he get food? 
Where do you get drink? Now, them and other characters who have changed the history of humanity with their inspired inventions, uh, which I guess more or less you could say um, were divinely inspired. That's further confirmation of the fact that uh, Moses had to deal with extra-dimensional entities with a well-defined uh, hierarchy that he knew and respected. Because tied to the one who's looked at as the creator, he dominates a multiverse reality where nothing is as it seems. And after a while, the, the Lord invited Moses to come back to Mount Sinai again. And here the Lord came in that cloud once again and literally abducted Moses for 40 days. You know, the number 40 seems to have a, uh, an importance in the major biblical stories. 40 days and 40 nights of rain happened uh, during Noah's time period. Forty days after the flood, Noah opened the door of the ark. Forty years, the children of Israel wandered in the desert. Moses was in Egypt forty years, Midian forty years, and then in the desert for forty years. That means Moses was 120 years old. He was also on the mountain for forty days and forty nights. Solomon reigned as king for forty years. And Joseph, Jonah said it would be 40 days until Nineveh could be, would be destroyed. Now those are the, the major, but there are hundreds of more biblical verses that involve the number 40. But this list out of the Old Testament should suffice to show how important that number is. So what does the number 40 really represent? Mentioned 146 times in Scripture, the number 40 generally symbolizes a period of testing, trial, or probation. During Moses' life, as an example, he lived 40 years in Egypt. He was the son of Pharaoh, after all. 40 years in the desert before God selected him to lead his people out of slavery. He also sent spies for 40 days to investigate the land God promised the Israelites as an inheritance. 40, at the end of the day, represents the testing and trial of our physical life as a whole, and number 40 can also represent the regeneration and transformation of man. Same kind of transformation that uh, illuminated Jesus was mentioned in the Gospels of John. According to the Gospel of John, verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everybody who believes may have eternal life in him. Well. So what does lifted up mean? What an unusual interpretation. Let's look at what Travis Walton told me about his UFO incident. Now he was a an American logger, allegedly abducted by a UFO on November 5th, 1975. He said he was lifted into the sky by a beam of light and reappeared after a five-day search. 
Now, he never claimed to have any particular instruction or groundbreaking revelations for mankind, but uh, it turns out this particular phenomenon is much more common than most people think. If you look at the Illuminati and their links to so-called alien contact, the 40 days topic is present in the great work of Count de Cagliostro, the that controversial figure who had in Moses and Solomon two important points of reference for his Masonic doctrine. And there's also the prophets uh, Enoch and Elijah, considered by Cagliostro to be his secret chiefs and invisible masters, chosen intermediaries uh, to the so-called architect of all worlds. And if you look at... Um, all those who put out their own cosmology, so to speak, you find a lot of common ground. And that makes it clear that in actuality, what they teach and what people like Moses encountered has a very great deal in common. Now, I don't care who you are. If you're someplace for 40 days and 40 nights, you're going to have to eat. You're going to have to deal with bodily functions. And yet he came back apparently in good health. In the Islamic tradition, as well as the Jewish tradition, um, there was talk of a collaboration between entities and spirits and men. Cabriastro apparently learned a lot in his famous Middle Eastern travels. And, unlike most, he bragged about it. And where he seems to have acquired the teachings of a secret book of the Sheikh Abu Al-Mali, Jid of uh, Gujarat, which is entitled The Five Precious Stones, quoted only in relatively recent times by Rudolf von Siebottendorf, uh, an important figure in the activities of the Thule Society, that's a post-World War I German a cultist organization that influenced a lot of members of the Nazi party. So that's something that's been overlooked by a lot of the historians and those who write about World War II. The impetus for a lot of what happened came out of occult teachings, at least on the Nazi side. And uh, I've recently come across uh, very interesting information that... Um, until Hitler outlawed the secret societies, a lot of the inner circle were deeply involved in occult practices. Supposedly, that's why Hess made his famous flight to uh, Scotland. That he had had a uh, 
a um, let's. He had a um, a cultist he dealt with quite a lot, who told him that it was his job to go to England, and bring a stop to the war. And in England and Germany would turn on Russia. Well, what happened in actuality is Hess wound up going to prison for the rest of his life until he was um, either committed suicide or murder, depending on who you talk to. But the Thule Society and a number of the other secret organizations had a very great deal to do with the creation of the Nazi Party. Now, when you look at Well, I will also say, in regard to our own uh, leaders, a lot of them are involved in secret societies. I've dabbled with a few of them uh, and been introduced to a lot of people I never would have thought would have given them the time of day who were strong members. And that does raise a lot of questions. Now, even in the Islamic world, um, secret societies play a big role. They talk about jinns and the Sayatin or devils, which is a kind of gin um, and in many quarters magic is looked at as a, as we look at science now, now remember these occult practices are obviously contrary to the basic tenets of traditional Islam that considers magic to be an act of blasphemy, even if we're using it um, simply to get in touch with the spirit world and the usual 40-day marathon of contemplation. And to have a clear idea of why we shouldn't use magic in our day-to-day -day life, it might be worth reading the, um, the words from the actual Koran. Suleiman, or Solomon, didn't disbelieve, but the devils disbelieved... Uh, teaching men magic. You know, the uh, many stories. I've read some of the, the books that were taken from the Bible or removed from the Bible. And they talk about the fact that uh, the angels taught men magic. Now, what are angels, according to the average individual? They're looked at in the same view as you would look at a god. And remember, the uh, the pagans worship many gods. You know, um, if you're going to talk to some of these magical creatures, for lack of a better term, 
you know, in the preparation of the the magical ordeal envisioned and uh, how to get in contact and when the collaboration of of certain um, spiritual entities the courageous or blasphemous aspirant depending on the point of view has to be scrupulously clean doesn't have to miss any of the laundry list of restrictions by the Islamic religion no dogs, cats or strangers can be allowed in his home that must be suffused with natural incense and fragrances and it's very important to fast during the 40 days of what's defined by uh, Sheikh Abu Buwad Jid of Gujarat as the, the Chiva, spiritual practice of penance and solitude, well known in Sufism. You rest on a mat laid on the floor, and you have to sleep as little as possible during those 40 days, not be involved in any conversation during that time. And those who want to practice this retreat for 40 days have to do it in solitude. And the diet has to be observed must be oriented according to the divine names you're reciting during your prayers. And Islam knows two types of divine names. The ones regarded as friendly or beautiful, and the, the terrifying ones. And if you're reciting the beautiful names, you shouldn't swallow butter, curdled milk, vinegar, or salt. And if you're using the terrifying ones, you don't eat flesh, fish, eggs, or honey. And if you're using both categories... As some people do, you shouldn't eat onions and garlic. And in any case, alcohol and pork are prohibited, as the Islamic tradition uh, prescribes. And during the 40 days of fasting, the practitioner has to recite 10 phrases from the Quran 10 times. Well, these are all reminders that the Islamic world and belief system, if analyzed in depth, accommodated uh, traditional pagan and pre-Islamic practices of the highest level in their magical teachings. And the Islamic faith is shaded with the supernatural and the occult, especially at the popular level. But they always tend to hide this element uh, because of its connections to the what you might refer to as an alien reality. But you can find visible manifestations of the occult in Islam everywhere, even in on streets and in names. I mean, protection from the evil eye is usually sought after. In the back of trucks in Islamic countries, you can at times see the picture of an eye with an arrow drawn through it. And that means that anybody uh, envious of the truck will, won't be able to cause an accident to uh, happen to it. The eye of greed will be rendered powerless. And even small children often carry protections with them against the evil eye in the form of small blue pearls. Women wear gems to divert the evil eye so it can, its glance can't do any harm. A bit like crystals are used to offer protection against neg negative energies to New Agers. These items also serve in the Islamic tradition to frustrate the eyes of lust, distracting them. Middle East is full of such elements and terms and fetishes. And if you suggest them to get rid of these practices, they'll find it nearly impossible because even if considered sinful by their own religion... They depend on these beliefs and are willing to abandon them. Now, many folks believe in the power of the evil eye and its effects on men, especially in southern regions like Sicily, that have a strong Islamic influence. Look at somebody from behind or beside, he may sense it quickly and turn to you abruptly, staring into your eyes and sometimes even attack. 
Another form of the occult in Islam is the mandil, or reading of the cloth. It's one of many ways in which secrets are revealed in the Muslim world. Once in a school in the Middle East, a watch was stolen, according to the story given to me. And all the girls in that class had to go home. Headmaster said she wouldn't allow the teachers to teach until the watch was found. And this went on for two days. And on the third day, the parents came and said they would not not agree to this punishment because they put their daughters under suspicion of having stolen the watch. And they resented it because they insisted their daughters are innocent. Well, an easy solution to the problem was suggested through a visit to a soothsayer who lived in a neighboring village, and she'd be able to reveal the whereabouts of the watch, they said, for she had recently disclosed the exact location of two stolen cows that had been hidden 15 kilometers from the owner's farm. Headmaster of the school, of course, refused to accept this particular method, but uh, fortune-telling in the Middle East is part of the daily life. And you can wind up getting readings in the strangest places. I had somebody tell me they, they had to accept a reading made in a coffee cup from a known psychic advisor. They interpreted the residual coffee grounds in the cup and on the saucer, and they'll tell your future. And I had something similar done for me when I did my show in California. Um, on that same occasion, the famous Egyptian psychic discussed the story of a girl who vanished. And when the psychic was consulted by the police, she gave all the details of the kidnapping. When asked where she got the information, she said it came from the gin. Included the name of the abductor and the country to which the girl had been taken. Most famous fortune tellers, uh, except military generals, government officials, business people as customers, well as ordinary citizens. I know of several corporations that have psychics on staff, members of the board, no less. There's another form of fortune telling and, and soothsaying, which um, is predictions as to whether one should marry a particular person and whether the union will be a happy one. Men are involved in these practices and are bound by them all the time. In Islamic countries, Quranic texts, prayers, and curses are sometimes uh, written on small papers, not only for protecting a person, but also to actively influence certain people in special situations. I remember I was at a, a party with a young lady that I was uh, seriously... Um, considering marrying. And a friend of mine who was a known psychic walked up and said, uh, don't ask her. I had not said a word to anybody about asking her anything. He said, don't ask her. You're going to meet somebody at an event that'll be the person for you. And a few months later, I met the lady I've been with for... Um, Today is 31 years. I'm sorry, 33 years. Time passes quick when you're having fun. And they were absolutely correct. There's another individual I know who is a former naval officer. He is so accurate, he scares people. 
there's a story about a sheik who said he was uh, writing verses from the Quran that would help a businessman have a successful business trip. And there was another young man who wanted to influence a girl to, to love him, so he asked somebody to hide pieces of written text under her mattress. Merchants who want the businesses and projects of the competitors to fail also practice similar customs. There's no... There was a leading figure in the world of the Islamic Illuminati called Ahmad Ibn Ali al-Buni, a 12th century author and esoteric student, investigated occult practices of the 99 names of God and advised the faithful on how they should harness their supernatural power through amulets and talismans. He wrote a book called, uh, translated, uh, titles Brilliant Lights. And you find a lot of those same approaches in uh, the works of Rudolf von Siebottendorf indicates that if you follow up our praying formula, uh, that's actually an important spell. And many things that we take for granted actually began as magic spells. Now, are magic spells, do they work? Well, I've had people tell me uh, yes, and I've had people tell me no. I've been doing this radio show in one form or another for over 30 years. And um, you have no idea the stories that I've heard. Now, going back to Moses for a moment, when he completed his 40-day marathon on Sinai, he returned to his people. And... According to reports, he returned looking a little different. His skin was radiant to the point that uh, his own people began to fear him. In the fear that obliged Moses to put a veil in front of his face. You just see discussions of that in the book of Exodus chapter 34. Verse 29. But so the Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant on his hands. He wasn't aware his face was radiant. Because he had spoken with the Lord. Well, obviously he was subjected to some kind of energetic treatment that empowered his magnetic flux or animal magnetism, so to speak. That's a name given by Illuminati member Franz Anton Mesmer to a science already practiced since ancient times. Mesmer was one of the two major protagonists of the esoteric uh, scene of the 18th century, the other being Count Cagliostro. But Moses was much more than an ordinary magnetizer. Many researchers, uh, among them Protestants and spiritualists and a number of other writers, claimed that even Jesus was the greatest of all magnetizers and the source of his miracles was animal magnetism. Meanwhile, the Lord on board his glory cloud uh, decided when the Jewish people were to depart or to move toward the next stage of this liberating mission being led by Moses, when the cloud moved, the people of Israel left for the next stage of their journey toward the Promised Land. Strangely enough, during the previous century, some churches began to report the appearance of various glory clouds around the globe. We're dealing with things that are really beyond our understanding, and yet, at the same time, there's a certain um, symmetry involved with them. Now, these... Um, churches who saw the glory clouds believed this to be physical manifestation 
of God's presence in the form of a glittery cloud that lingered over worship services. And these type of clouds have been reported in services all over the world, from one-room school churches in Brazil to mega churches in California, and in places where UFO sightings have been usually reported. And those who witness this phenomena describe it as a glittering swarm of gold-like particles that settle on the skin and hair and then vanish. Some describe hands and faces covered in oil or glittery residue that returns even after wiping it off. And there are reports of feathers or jewels falling from these clouds as well. Now there are some pastors, usually in the charismatic or Pentecostal movement, claim the clouds have so enveloped them before preaching that they could hardly see the congregation. He attributed it to tangible presence of God anointing them for preaching and obviously use it as a reference for the biblical foundation, the Old Testament and passages from Exodus, such as the um, actual term glory cloud, isn't found anywhere uh, in the scripture, but they reference Exodus. And many rightly wonder whether such a thing is biblical. And it's somewhat significant that the proof text of the so-called glory cloud come entirely from the Old Testament. And the experiences mainly made by Moses and the Israelites. And those who encountered the cloud of God's glory in the Old Testament were often unable to approach it. By contrast, those experiencing the modern version of a glory cloud agreed it was singing and dancing and shouting and basking in the glitter that engulfs them. Response is somewhat inconsistent with biblical accounts, but it's consistent with some UFO reports. When the glory of God was present in the cloud, the power of his presence was so overwhelming, mortal man couldn't enter it because, at the time, the alien forces at work for God didn't want any contact with the majority of mankind, only with a few chosen ones that became their prophets, such as Moses and Ezekiel and Elijah, Isaiah. Now, keep in mind, as we delve into this, I know there are those who firmly believe religion is just so many words. And it's a way for people to get power over their fellows by becoming the preachers or the teachers or the leaders. But in actuality, there seems to be a lot more to it than that. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. And once again, we'll be talking about the strange and the unusual. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.